0: Hello and welcome to the Sermon Podcast, the First Christian Church of St. Paul, located in Roseville, Minnesota. We are a congregation of the Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, united in Christ for the sake of the world. Join us for worship in person or via live stream Sundays at 11am. You can learn more about us by going to FCCStPaul.org. Here's this week's sermon. Our text today comes from two places. The first we'll be reading is uh, from Philippians 3, verses 4 through 14, and then Matthew 21, verses 33 through 46. You can follow along in your bulletin, which is on page 6, beginning with Philippians. Even though I, too, have reason for confidence in the flesh, If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under law, blameless. Yet, whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that... I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of and of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes from faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ, and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death. If somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already obtained this or I have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what lies ahead, Press on toward the goal for the the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. And now from Matthew. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to the tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time came, when the harvest time came, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenant seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves, more than the first, and they treated them the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to these tenants? They said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give them the produce at harvest time. Jesus said to them, have you read, never read in the scriptures the stone that built the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken into pieces and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard this parable, they realized he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because the the people regarded him as a prophet. This is the word of God for all the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. In August of this year, David Brooks, who was a columnist for the New York Times, posed a provocative question in his weekly column. He was looking at the fact that former President Donald Trump was leading in the polls, and he wondered why is he so popular despite all of his problems. He said that there were two ways that you could look at this. The first way could be summed up in an interview that was done um, by the New York Times with political scientist Mark Harrington, And he said the following, Republicans see a world changing around them uncomfortably fast and they want to slow it down, maybe even take a step backward. But if you are a person of color, a woman who values gender equality or an LGBT person, would you want to go back to 1963? I doubt it. In that view, Brooks is noting that the anti-Trump forces of which he is a part are the good guys and stand strong against the bigots and the authoritarian the bad guys. But then Brooks answer asked this question which is very provocative. He wants to look at this from another standpoint. What if those who are opposed to Trump aren't always the good guys? What if sometimes they're the bad guys? He goes to explaining his thoughts by sharing how things might look from someone who is a Trump supporter. And this is what he he writes in his article. The story begins in the 1960s when high school grads had to go off to fight in Vietnam, but the children of the educated class got college deferments. It continues in the 1970s when authorities imposed busing on working-class areas, but not on the upscale communities like Wellesley, where they themselves lived. The idea that we're all in this together was replaced with the reality that the educated class lives in a world up here, where everybody else is forced into a world down there. Members of our class have always been publicly speaking out for the marginalized, somehow we always end up building systems that serve ourselves. Now, he was not saying that there is nothing wrong with Trump and he's not a Trump supporter. In fact, he has been very vocal in his opposition. But he was wondering if there needed to be some introspection among people like himself who opposed Trump. Was support for Donald Trump as simple as people think. Well, this being 2023, you can guess what happened next. Brooks received a ton of responses. Most were against him even thinking of the idea. They tended to believe that the other side was filled with people who are incompatible with normal Americans. There was nothing wrong with them were how his detractors responded. It's the other side that is the problem. It's human for us to see ourselves as a hero in our own stories. We want to see ourselves as the good guys. As Christians, we want to always see that We are always on the good side of things, though history sometimes suggests otherwise. I was thinking about all of this as I was preparing for Bible study this week, and one of the commentators noted that it is very tempting for many people to look at this parable of the tenants and not see themselves in the role of the tenants— They'll see themselves in the role of everybody else, but not the tenants. And I can imagine some of us saying, of course, we're not the tenants. We would never, ever reject Jesus. We would never, ever kill Jesus. This is the second of the three parables where Jesus is conversing with the religious leaders And basically, in many ways, calling them out for their sin. Last week we had the parable of the two sons. This week it's the parable of the tenants. Next week it'll be the parable of the great banquet. In this this tale, the tenants are the religious leaders, the people who were working to kill the son of the landlord. And of course the son of the landlord is Jesus. They beat up and even killed the servants, prophets, prophets, who came to collect the rent, and in their greed, they killed the landlord's son. When Jesus asked what would happen to these tenants, they don't know the crux of that story yet. And they say that these worthless tenants should be killed and their property given to someone else. They could not see themselves in that story. They wouldn't see themselves in that story. And these days, it's hard for us to accept the concept of original sin, partially because we it casts us in a bad light, that is, as if there is nothing good about us. But original sin is not saying that we are worthless, or that there is nothing good. What it's saying could be probably summed up in that old hymn where they used the line prone to wander. The religious leaders thought highly of themselves, and they could see sin everywhere, except in themselves. They got mad at Jesus because, basically, what he ended up doing was holding a mirror up to them. But what about us? Because the fact of the matter is, all of us want to be the star of our own story. We don't want to see that we could be and have sinned. No, we haven't killed anyone lately, at least as far as I know. But how have we ignored God? Are we willing to look beyond our accomplishments, beyond how we think we might see ourselves and actually see ourselves honestly. In Paul's letter to the Philippians, he talks about how qualified he is. He, he says all of these things. that He was circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews. He was a Pharisee. He was a persecutor of the church. He was under the law, blameless. He was considered the cream of the crop, the best of the best. But then he says, basically, that all of this means nothing to him. He writes, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ, he realizes that his righteousness doesn't come from following the rules. It doesn't come from all the titles and accomplishments that he has. It comes from Christ and Christ alone. What this parable teaches us is that God is a loving and caring God, But God is also a judge. And we don't like to hear that word judge because it kind of sounds and we think of punishment. But I think that it's not just about punishment. I think it's also about calling us to repentance, calling us to see ourselves honestly One of the things that sometimes when we look at this parable we miss is how many times the landlord sends servants and that we don't see that as a chance really for the tenants to change their ways. They were given chance after chance after chance until finally it was too late. While this tale is about God's relationship with Israel and also Jesus with the religious leaders. Of course, it has larger implications. The vineyard could also be seen as the world that God has created, all of this world. And we, you and I, are the tenants. And God has, through his Son, sent those like prophets to remind us of who we are and to call us to repentance. So how are we living? How are we tending God's vineyard? One of the parts of the worship service that I think is the most important of all of the parts of the worship service and no, I'm not going to say the sermon, is the time of confession and forgiveness. I did not grow up with that tradition. In fact, I think I really only became more familiar with it in seminary. But I've come to appreciate it and felt it important enough to include it in worship. I remember hearing this passage in worship at my Lutheran seminary, and I've come to see it as what confession is all about. And this is how it goes. Most merciful God, we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Amen. The words for me that are key here are, "Is the phrase, what we have left undone. Because we can hurt people and not realize it. We can hurt people by sometimes thinking that we are perfect and that we don't, in some ways, need forgiveness. We are, in many ways, sometimes not able to see our sin. And confession reminds us, at least it reminds me, that sometimes I'm the bad guy. I'm not always the hero of the story. Sometimes I can be the villain, and so can you. The importance of God as judge is not that God punishes us, but it is that God reminds us that at the end of the day, we are not all that, and we must rely on God for righteousness. Sometimes... We truly are the bad guys. But Jesus always stands willing to offer us a second, a third, a fourth, a millionth chance if we are willing not to see ourselves as the star of the story. Thanks be to God. Amen.